Good night. Am I on? Can you hear me? Thumbs are up back there. How many of you folks are glad to be in church tonight? Amen. Oh, I'm telling you, I struggled with it. Two weeks ago, I was at 98 degrees every day. And I was stayed at Brother Tony's in Mount Surprise, Arizona. And no trees, no pollen, no cold. And I would walk two and a half hours a day. Just walk and pray and sweat. Y'all don't know what that is, do you? I didn't know how to pray, but it's so cold. I landed up here this morning and looked out on the tarmac at the airport, and the dog was chasing a cat. They both were wearing earmuffs. It's terrible up here. But, uh, hey, I'm glad to be here. And uh, Pastor Shot, we've known each other all these years. I just want to say you've never forgotten how to eat. And uh, he took me to a place today. I'll tell you what, oh my goodness, I think I found a place that would take the place of pop, blueberry Pop-Tarts in my life. Uh, I don't know what the name of that place was. Vinny's. Oh, I'm going back to Vinny's. That steak. How many of you had one of their steaks there? Ho, 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 ho. And from the first bite to the last bite. Now listen, you meat eaters, when you put that on your tongue, it just melts makes its way to the stomach, and your stomach goes more, 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 more. All right? So, hey, I'm back. Amen? And so tomorrow you'll see a little fat body walking up down the road. That would be me. Amen? So you pray for me. A brother, uh, uh, Wittemeyer, he's got to get me to my house tonight because I'm taking your car. And I have no idea. I left my phone at the hotel. I have no idea where I'm going. All right? But uh, sometimes that car will always end up at Dunkin' Donuts, if I'm correct here. But uh, listen, before I get into pulpit tonight, uh, where this is a faith promise and this is a missions conference and uh, Brother Lafanier here, I knew his wife where he did. In fact, she ran around the nurseries where my wife was in charge way back in the 90s in Indiana. And her and, uh, and my boys would run around the nursery. She'd whip them, all right. And, but anyway... Uh, then I had the privilege when I come off the mission field after about nine years, I was his wife's principal. And then, praise the Lord, he married up in those days. And, uh, and we got to know each other. And uh, he's one of our missionaries, and I'm proud of what he's doing. And we're going to help him. Uh, and he just did that video this week. Amen. You, you did pretty good. Who did the camera work? It made you look so little. Your son, he did a good job. Yeah, why he was floating by on the coaster. All right. But uh, anyway, isn't it a blessing to be part of a ministry like that? You know, you can throw your money away to the flower clubs and, you know, and you can give it to the Ladies' Aid Society or to the Fisherman Club, but that doesn't really do anything. That's an investment that God's going to bless. Amen? God will bless that. Now, uh, Faith Promise cards, you're going to have these. I don't know when the preacher's going to give them out. You'll collect these on Sunday. Is that right? Now, let me step over a minute and brag on God. This is between you and the Lord. Amen? And this church believes in Faith Promise Giving. I was at a church three weeks ago in Ohio that I'd helped without a pastor for two years. Church was about a third this size. Never had a missions conference before. They would take $1,200 a month out of their budget. And uh, they were only having $1,200 offerings per week. All right. When we got done that week with their new pastor, they promised to give $32,000 per year. 
Oh, that, that, I mean, that, that's, that, that's, that is something. Amen. Amen. And their offering went from like 1200 a uh, week. Now they're running over 3000 a week. Now that's just one church, all right, that people that buy in or understand what faith promise giving is or grace giving, all right? And I taught it here last year. This year we're going to talk about the time and where uh, there's still time and why there's still time. And so I want you to take a look at this tonight and you get the card. Will there be some in the back? Sure. Okay. And he said there would be some in the back. Sure. But take these, look at it, pray over it. He'll talk more about it this week and we'll collect those on Sunday. Amen. Turn in your Bibles to the book of Acts chapter 16. And I appreciate the uh, Brother John and uh, the uh, the uh, music tonight, great job, sound system. The preacher said it's missions conference, so take as long as I want, all right? So I'll be done before 10 o'clock, amen. So now I got up at 3 this morning to get to the airport at 4. And uh, my wife says, why do you do this? Try to beat the crowds, amen. And of course, my plane was backed up. So I was sitting there with this shirt on, you know, and it's about 10 to 5 in the morning and hadn't brushed my teeth or my hair and sitting there with a cup of coffee about a week old. And uh, Dr. Snyder walked up beside me and said, hey, what's going on, man? He was going to Montana and uh, he had his suit on like he's ready to go to a funeral. And uh, I said, why do you travel like that? Man, you got to, you know, take the tie off once. He says, I'm going to have five minutes to get from the airport to the church service once I land. So I don't, by my stand, I think he's out on the West Coast time, so he's not even to church yet. So you pray for him because he's starting the same type of conference tonight. So let's take a look at this, uh, this thought for just a moment. How many of you folks in here have ever made a mistake in your life? I'm talking about one that you could not correct. Like a speeding ticket. Okay, never, just two of us, okay. How many's ever said the wrong thing at the wrong time in the wrong way? And you knew you were, yeah, put, put her hand up. Thank you, Caleb. And how many knew you were right until you were proven wrong? And you're just waiting for somebody to say something. How many's ever been there? I don't want you to have that feeling tonight when I preach about the subject called the Macedonian call. Because sometimes we, we, we get it wrong. And sometimes we, we take and miss the opportunity to make it right. Amen? And I want to show you something tonight to understand how missions and giving and ministry is so important to God Almighty, the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at Acts chapter 16 and verse 5. And, uh, uh, and the Bible says here, Paul and Silas, uh, uh, Lystra, and, uh, joined by Timothy, and now they're moving on in their ministry. And uh, I want you to understand here in verse 5, we begin to see that the missionaries are under the direct control of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, and so were the churches established in the faith, and increased in number daily. Now when they had gone through Pagira and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, after they were, see, they wanted to go to Asia. They wanted to go to those other places. But the Holy Spirit said no. 
And after they were come to Myasia, they essayed, or they had planned to go into Bethania, but the Spirit suffered them not. You see, they were walking with God, and they were called into the ministry, and they were the missionaries in this church planning emphasis that Christ was in charge of, but now the Holy Ghost was guiding. Are you still with me on this? Now watch very carefully. And they passing by Myasia came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night, and there stood a man of Macedonia, and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, now watch this, immediately we endeavored or, uh, to go to Macedonia. Watch the wording. Assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Brother, when you pray tonight, it's about the gospel. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about the gospel. Now, God uses his word to win people and give them their salvation. Is that true? God uses people to win people. Angels can't even do that. Amen. So God has chosen his church. He's chosen the ministry and how it works. And tonight I want to show you how the Holy Spirit guides, can I say this, drives our bus. And we can't, well, I don't want to get on that bus. We can't, well, I don't want to go that direction. And I want you to pick up from these individuals and just understand these were ordinary men, most of them more educated than you and I, but they were ordinary men that God had touched their hearts to do this. And when they, the Bible says in verse 10, when they endeavored to go to Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. And in this story, which we're going to see in a few minutes, Lydia, her family, the demon-possessed girl, uh, we're going to see the jailer and all his clan. We're going to see God Almighty, the Holy Spirit, started. Bible-believing church out of nothing. But there was a call. Don't miss it. Don't miss that opportunity. Not only a call to go, but a call to send. A call to help. A call to get it out there. I was flying through China in 1992. Been preaching in the Philippines and Papua New Guinea going through Taiwan, Taipei. I, don't, I got on a China airline and ended up in a city there and on the edge of the coast of China. And when I got off the plane, there was uh, myself and another gentleman about my size and, and uh, age. And uh, there was uh, six Marines and, uh, in casual clothes. And they put us in a room. And what they were doing, the American government, along with the Chinese government, were trying to find Ted Kaczynski. Remember that name? The Unabomber. All right. Kind of looks like me with a beard, right? Uh, Just teasing. But they pulled me over, put us in a room, about half the size of this room, took all of our stuff and took them behind walls. And uh, they even took our passports. The the liaison officer for the immigration department was there, assured us we'd give them back from our state department. But they thought one of us could have been Crazy Ted. I'd been preaching out for about three weeks and I hadn't had a Diet Coke or a bag of laid potato chips or a USA Today paper back in those days in a long time. So I had a few coins in my pocket and I went over there and 
and I got the pop and I got the chips and I got my USA Today and I sat down there in that little waiting area and put my pop on the coffee table and put my chips right beside it and was reading the headlines. I wasn't there about 30 seconds and I heard my potato chip bag move. Dropped my paper down and looked. A Chinese woman was reaching across the coffee table to grab my bag of potato chips. And I said, excuse me, and I stopped her and took them out of her hand. These are mine. Mine, mine, mine. Not yours. I opened that bag and I popped that Diet Coke and put a couple of chips in and drank it down and said, mine, don't touch. And I set them down. Went back to reading the sports section. It wasn't a minute or so later. She's dragging that bag back across that coffee table. This time I grabbed it. I said, ma'am, you cannot eat my potato chips. These are mine. And I took them. Mine, 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 mine. You know, like the dodo bird, you know, mine. Wadded that thing up, laid it back on the table. Mine. Drank my Diet Coke down, set it, enjoyed the paper. As I went to read the paper, she stood up and called me every Chinese name in the book. All I could catch was, and she walked off. And I said, well, good day to you too. They brought us our stuff back, the immigration department did, and took all of our shaving gears and incinerated them right in front of us, and they give us our luggage and our passports, and we got on that plane, and we're going down the runway, and I'm sitting in the front of that plane, and plane takes off. You know how they tell you to keep the seatbelt on and everything. Got up to about 18,000 feet, leveled out 20,000 feet on our way to the Philippines, and said, now you can get up and walk about. Well, I had my bag, that one I got right there. John, you see the bag I got there? Is it like, could you hold that bag up? That, that was the bag I had with me. It's been around the world for the last 40 years. There's what it looks like. All right. I put it back down. Thank you, John. And in that bag, when I zipped it open to pull this Bible out to study, there was my bag of potato chips that I'd put in there absentmindedly. And I'd been eating her potato chips. Haven't been back to China since. Can't get that corrected. How many of you folks have ever made a mistake like that? Now, when it comes to the Macedonian call, sometimes we make the same mistake because we think it's talking about Paul and Silas and Timothy and Luke when it should be talking to us. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. I got four thoughts tonight. They all start with the letter U. Are you ready? Number one, I want you to understand this. A, number one, it was this. The Macedonian call was an urgent call. It was an urgent call. Look at verse 9 and 10. The Bible says in verse 9, And as a vision appeared to Paul in the night, there stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored. Immediately we endeavored to go to Macedonia. Assuredly gathering. I mean, this is it. Didn't take a rocket science degree. You didn't have to put uh, the words together. It's in headlines. He wants the gospel preached now. Where? Macedonia. What town? Philippi. Now get there and get it going now. Was that an urgent call or was that not an urgent call? So I want to get this timeline across to you. God speaks to our hearts for now, not 20 years down the road, because you'll miss the opportunity 
And you'll never have the opportunity to do it right. And God does not make mistakes. How many figured that out? The Holy Spirit does not make mistakes. He's already at tomorrow. Give me, give you three thoughts about this. First, first, the urgency of this. The Macedonian call was urgent, number one, for the gospel. He said, I, I don't want you to raise goats or hogs, dogs, or frogs or run many banks. I don't want you to go over and do anything like uh, put up buildings. I don't want you to do that, but here's what I want you to do. Very clear, is it not? Look at verse 10. Preach the gospel. Number two, not only preach the gospel, but it was urgent because he wanted, God wanted, the Holy Spirit wanted some churches planted. How do you know that, preacher? Would you hold your hand there in the book of Acts 16 and go to your left to Acts chapter 2? I want you to catch this with me. By the way, the Bible says in Acts 1.8, For ye shall receive the power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witness unto me both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth. Folks, this is all setting up in line. The Holy Ghost is in charge of this. Look what it says in chapter uh, 2. Look what it tells us in verse 41. It makes this statement. Then they that gladly received his word, that's the gospel, were baptized in the same day. There added unto them about 3,000 souls. You see, not only do you want the gospel to preach, where it says in verse 10 of our text, gathering that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel unto them. Not only that, but he wanted us to start churches. And number three, this is, this is key. For the testimony of the Holy Spirit, for the testimony, this is why he wanted this urgently done, for the testimony of the new church. Look here with me what it says in, in verse 41 of chapter 2 of the book of Acts. It says, and then they that gladly, I mean verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added unto the church daily as should be what? Saved. Now the Macedonian call was urgent because God is in charge of this. The urgency, the endeavor. As I'm watching Brother Lavenier's video tonight, that's his place, amen, in front of that concrete wall. How many could catch the spirit that his heart's in that thing? I'm not bragging on you, but that, 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 that's not my church, that's yours. I couldn't find Fairfield, Iowa with a GPS, Iowa, Fairfield, Connecticut with a GPS. But that's been in his heart for years. You told me that four years ago. Uh, uh, you're a missionary. I don't even know your name, ma'am. But, uh, and you're going to go where? Netherlands. I don't, I, the Netherlands. It's over there where they have tulips and things. I know that's about, I don't care about that because God didn't call me there. But he's put that in you. And you got the medical missions things. And then God puts that in him. Uh, my thing is what I do for BIMI and Papua New Guinea and Australia. That, God put that inside of me. And I, there ain't much else to me. That's what I live. That's what I breathe. That's what, that's what God's put in me. Now in the local church here, God puts an urgency in you. Every missionary must have that urgency. Every missionary must have that sturdy motion. Every missionary or man I've ever met in the ministry has that country that God's put in him, and he just has to do it. And all God's people said, wow, I'm not talking about entertaining. <clears throat> I'm not talking about putting in a show. I'm talking about something that's in their heart that you see and you sense and you pick up. Amen? How many understand what I'm saying? And I've seen dead ministries and I've seen people that's kind of stepped out of the saddle 
And I've seen people that put it on cruise. There is a big difference. I want you to notice in this first thought, Paul and Silas and Timothy and Luke, they were searching and seeking to do God's will. And there was an urgency about it. We want to go here. Holy Spirit said no. We want to go here. Holy Spirit said no. We want to go here. Holy Spirit said no. We want to go here. Holy Spirit said no. The man from Macedonia, come over and help us. God said here. Notice what they did. They didn't get the calculator out. They didn't call the finance department. They didn't even ask the bean counters. They did doing out. They we, immediately we endeavored to go to do what? To preach the gospel and to where them. So I want to make that clear. It was an urgent call. Number two. Here's a second. You tonight. I want to give it to you. It was an understood call. Look at verse 10. The Bible says, Immediately we endeavored uh, to go to Macedonia, assuredly gathering or knowing or understanding. There it is. That's what that means in the Greek. That the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. They understood what God... Why did the Holy Spirit do this? Why did He move them? He called them. What did the Holy Spirit do? He touched their hearts. What were they supposed to do? Preach the gospel. And where did the Holy Spirit call them? Uh, all these big towns. Let's take a look at them here. Look at verse, uh, go down there and verse 11. Therefore, loosing from Troas, we came uh, with a straight course to Samotichira, and the next day to Neophilus, from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of the part of Macedonia, and a colony, and we were in that city abiding certain days. Paul knew, Silas knew, Timothy knew, they understood. This was where God wanted them. They didn't understand what was going to take place. But they understood this is where God wanted them. Can I tell you, uh, I want you to understand. I got three thoughts about this too. uh, Got to understand the Holy Spirit's plan. Sounds like a poem, doesn't it? You You got to understand the Holy Spirit has a plan. He's already got it worked up. And he wants you to be part of it. This missions outreach, the missions ministry in this church, it's more than the missionary. Okay. It's, it's more than the medical. It's more than uh, going to the Netherlands. It's more than going to New Guinea and Australia. It's more than that. It, it starts with you. He has a plan. He wants you to pray for that missionary. He wants you to get a burden for that missionary. Now, God Almighty wants you to understand and through the book of Acts and, 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 and uh, Ephesians and the book of First and Second Corinthians and, and the book of Philippi. Hey, they're prayer letters, some of those things. And it's very evident how God took care of this. And I want you to understand, He has a plan for salvation. He has a plan of repentance. He has a plan of baptism. He has a plan of discipleship. And He has a plan I call ownership. And before you know it, we got a church going on. Amen? Look at Acts chapter 2 with me again. Slide back. I want to tie this together for you. What this Macedonia call is all about. And I don't want you to miss it. Uh, this opportunity God's given you. This church does get missions. You do understand it. Look at verse 37. Now when they had heard this, that's the gospel, they were pricked to their heart. This was Peter preaching and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift. Wow. The gift of what? What is it? I'm not making this up. 
He will get you a heart. He will get a hold of your heart and your mind and your thought process. And that gift of the Holy Ghost is to guide you and to show you and tell you what the old bald-headed preacher is saying tonight is true. And he's going by God's word to show it to us. I mean, he has a plan. Number two, you've got to understand the Holy Spirit has a purpose. Oh, yes, there's a purpose in this. Chapter 2, verse 41. Rewind the tape here. Here's the purpose. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And here we got a church started. And the same day were added to them about 3,000 souls. What does them, not only Christians, but to that church? See, the Holy Spirit has a plan. I want you to understand the Holy Spirit has a purpose. And lastly, I want you to understand the Holy Spirit has a program. Salvation, sanctification, and service. It's not really a lot of rocket science. It's right there. Show it to me, preacher. Look at verse 46 of chapter 2. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily, which should be saved. That was God's program. Can you see a church coming together in chapter 2? Uh, this is in Jerusalem. Now we're going to go to this second phase out of Acts 1.8. Right? We're saying in Acts chapter 16. God, th- this, this scripture in Acts 16 is dripping wet. Dripping wet with the Holy Spirit starting the missions that we, uh, we have today. And let me unwrap it for you just a little bit. You're part of his plan. You're part of his purpose. You're part of the program. In my ministries, I was in New Guinea for about, about two years, maybe three. Now, preaching on a Sunday afternoon, and a little short guy, good night, what was his name. He was a saved man. He wore Coke bottle glass kind of glasses, those little thick ones. And he saw me after the church service, and he said, Missionary DeLong, my name is Hanawa, and I have a ch- family of five brothers. None of them are saved but me. And we're going to a united church in our village of Gorahu, and the preacher says we can lose our salvation. But everybody in Moresby tells me you can preach and show me in Scripture where you can't lose it. Show it to me. And I did. He says, I believe that. I just didn't know where it was. He said, next Friday night I'm bringing my five brothers. We'll get here at midnight. We've got to bring the boat down over two hours out of the jungle. We'll sleep here overnight. The next morning... Daylight, you give us the gospel. We'll go from there. Okay, that's cool. Didn't think I'd ever see him again. Friday night came. I forgot about it. 11 o'clock at night in my front yard, there's a fight. Church people trying to protect my house, and these six men's trying to get to my house. They thought they was going to rob me. I heard him yelling, and I went outside, and it was Hanawa. Oh, pastor, missionary, Hanawa here. All right, come on. Now, these guys slept on my front porch. It was no bigger than this. From midnight that night to daylight the next day. And I got up and went out. I slept pretty good because I thought I had bodyguards. Amen. <laughs> My wife fixed them some pancakes and some bacon. And they'd never had iced tea, only hot tea. She fixed them some iced tea. And, and I gave them the gospel. And all five brothers got saved. Then we had about a four-hour Bible lesson. What it means to be saved. Assurance of salvation. My wife fed him again and sent him home. Hannah was leaving. He said, Pastor, pray with me that God will use you to help us start a church in our village. Well, hey, I'm busy here. 
you know, and I'm right here, and I don't, God don't want me two hours up that river and two hours through that jungle on a village on the backside of nowhere with no air conditioning, running water, or a McDonald's or you know, a Dunkin' Donut place. I just am not interested. I'm right here where I'm at, loving Jesus and serving God. And now God bless you. And they left. They left. But I want you to understand, <clears throat> it's an understood call. As they left the property, God began to work on my heart. That Thursday, I go to the hospital like I always did, the hospital visitation. I want you to understand it's urgent and understand how God works. He does not make mistakes. That Thursday, walking through the Port Moresby Hospital, come up on a little girl. She's about, about the A long, and, uh, and she's got malaria. She's about 17, 18 months old. It was eating her up. And I, I come to her thing, and I was going to give her a little popsicle, and the doctor said what she had or the nurse did, and her dad was laying underneath the bed. He came out from underneath of it. And it was one of the men I led to Christ a week before. Hannah was younger brother. He gave me a hug. She's sick, preacher. She's dying, preacher. Can you help us? I looked at him and looked at the baby, and my wife's standing there pulling up my arm, and like, oh, I don't know what to do. I'm not a doctor. My wife said, well, give him, let's get some money, get some medicine, let's do something. So we talked to her for a little bit, and I had some money on me, and we went to see the doctor down and got some medicine to her and got her fixed up a little bit. And they saw uh, the white skin there, so the doctor came out of the emergency room and said, I have a problem, won't you look at this baby? And they took, brought him up to the ward, and he looked at her and took a special interest. I said, I'll pay you $100. I want her taken care of tonight. And he gave her some medicine and gave her some shots, and she was full of malaria. Long story short, she got better. Amen. Amen. And the next week, she came to the church with her daddy and her mom. And man, we were rejoicing. I want you to understand, it's just starting. It's just starting. And God began to work on my heart that night. Something's going to, special's going to happen. Don't know what it is, but I can't get it out of here. You know what I'm talking about, preacher? You can't get it out of here. You missionaries, you can't get it. You church folks, you can't get it. And when the Holy Spirit pulls at you and He wants you to be part of it, I want you to understand, don't blow, don't miss, don't mess up the opportunity because those are things you'll regret later on. Amen. So number one, I want you to understand it was an urgent call. Number two, it was an understood call. Number three, it was an undone call. If you're taking notes, what do you mean by being undone? Look what it says in Acts 16, 6. It says, when they had gone throughout Pagira, the region of Galatia, and they were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. Hey, that was undone by the Holy Spirit. Hey, let's move on down to my Asia and Bethania. The Holy Spirit, uh-uh, I'm going to undo that. Well, let's go over here. Uh-uh, not going to do that. And when he had them go to Philippi, I want you to understand that the Paul's plans were undone in verse 6. Luke's direction was undone in verse 6. Timothy's life was undone in verse 6. I want to move down to verse 14 of the same chapter. You'll pick up my undone thought here. The Bible says, And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshipped God, heard us. Paul's down there preaching the gospel down by the river. 
whose heart the Lord opened and she attended to the things which were spoken up by Paul. And when she was baptized, that means she got saved. Hey, she, be, she was, well, started that church service by the river on her way to hell. Now that became undone. Go with me down a little further. In verse uh, uh, 19, you'll see the damsel. And when her masters saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and threw them into the marketplace and to the rulers. Hey, that demon-possessed girl was falling around. And Paul, the Holy, the Holy Spirit, cast that demon out of her. And I mean, I'm telling you, she changed her direction. Amen. And I think things were becoming undone. Let me fast forward here a little bit fuller. Go down to verse 31 and 32. You'll see the jailer after the earthquake going to kill himself. The Bible says, and they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. You know, that night before that earthquake, that jailer was in charge of his life. That night after that earthquake, that jailer had the Lord Jesus Christ in his life. Amen. And so did his family. I'm telling you what, a lot of things got undone in just a few short days in Philippi. And let me tell you something. Who's in charge of that? Who is? The Holy Spirit is. The gift of the Holy Spirit. And Paul, Paul, I mean, Luke don't want you to miss this. God don't want you to miss this. He is driving the bus. He did it for them. He did it for all those disciples. He'll do it for you. If you'll just say, you know what, Jesus, uh, uh, send me. Here am I. Or, Lord, I will trust and obey if you call someone else but not me today. Now, that's how most of us operate. Am I right? But I want you to understand this. I want you to catch this thought. And I wrote down three things. Number one, they were undone in their direction. Undone in their direction. Um, Preacher, I went on a diet last year. And I got on the scale to the doctor's office last week. And he said I was going in the wrong direction. (laughs) Now, how many think I was going up? Could you raise your hand? And how many think I was going down? Raise your hand. No, I'm not going down. I was gaining. I'm gaining. Last year when I was here, I weighed 160 pounds. I got on the scale the other day and I weighed 180 pounds. And, and the, the doctor said, sir, you're heading in the wrong direction. You need to go the other way. Now, folks, let me tell you something here. Every person in Acts chapter 16, when the chapter starts, they're all heading this direction. And when the chapter's over with, even their families is heading in a different direction. Isn't that great? You know, you need to pick up on that. Because if you're not involved in the missions, if you're not part of this ministry, if God's not called you, well, maybe God doesn't work this way, but I think the Holy Spirit understands each and every one of us. And I also believe He understands the urgency of the last days we live in. Now, also, I want you to know this. He wants to undo some things in your life for your good. Amen? Number two, undone their decisions. How many has ever made that wrong decision? Now, I'm not very smart, and I know I don't look that way, but tonight I saw a brother back there that picked me up at the airport today. I'm staying at the roadway inn, right? I am lost as soon as I leave the driveway. So I need some directions tonight. So I made a decision to see him before the church service started To get me home. Pretty smart, huh? You all think the same way. We all think about the future and what we're going to do. When that Holy Spirit gets a hold of your life and changes the direction in here, the direction on the outside should change also. Amen? Now, that always shows up 
in our decisions. Amen. I'm about ready to buy me a Ford car. I saw a commercial flying here where you can buy a Ford car. This is great. And I've got an 18-year-old daughter. And you can put an app on your phone that makes that car go not over 60 miles an hour. Honda doesn't do that. But my daughter's phone is loaded to mine. And the other day, she was going 81 miles an hour in a 70 zone. Daddy was hot. Daddy was upset. And Daddy called her, slow the car down. Pull it over. And I was on speakerphone. Dad, what do you mean? You're going 81. How do you know? I got eyes in the back of my head. And I got eyes in that car. And I've already made the decision for you. You are grounded until the rapture. You got me. <laughs> now, how many of you folks would like to have a machine like that? Do you know everything your kids are thinking? How fast? How many like to have one of those? Well, you know, we got the Holy Spirit inside of us. And he knows when we change directions. And he knows when we make the right decisions. And he blesses us because of that. But when we don't, when we won't, I'm just telling you, I can never get the potato chip right in China. And you'll not get this right with God unless you start doing it now. Make that decision and go in that direction. And here's my last thought. The last thing that was undone was their doom. You realize outside of every person mentioned that was not a disciple or Paul or Silas or Timothy or Luke in this scripture, in this chapter, on their way to hell. And <laughs> when the chapter's over, they're on the way to heaven and their families. That's how the Macedonian call works. The Holy Spirit, I'm telling you, he never makes a mistake. I've got to hurry here. Let me give you the last thought. It was an unstoppable call. Unstoppable call. The Macedonian call. Look with me in chapter 16 and verse 14. The Bible says, and the, the, the certain woman named Lydia, seller of purple, the city of Tychira, which worshiped God, heard us, whose, whose heart the Lord opened. I mean, she got saved. She attended to the things which were spoken to Paul. And when she was baptized in her household, she besought us. It is great, isn't it? Great. Look closer to this. i got to drop down because of time's sake. Look at verse 22. And the multitude rose up together against them. That's Paul and Silas. And the magistrates ran off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And they had laid many stripes upon them. They cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. Keep them there so we can take care of them tomorrow. Don't let any of them escape. If you do, it's going to be your life, jailer who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast with the stocks in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God and the prisoners heard them. I mean, I'll tell you what, you got a captured crowd there, amen? Might be our last night on earth. We're going down swinging. What God put in our heart to do was to preach and teach and sing praises to God and see what will happen. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken immediately. All the doors were opened and every one's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, waking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoner had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are yet all here. 
Then he called for the light and sprang in and came in trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas. He said, I'm ready to make the decision. I'm ready to start in a different direction. What must I do to be saved? And then they give him the gospel. He got saved. His family got saved. Folks, I want to encourage you. Look at verse 31. Believe on the name. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And thou shalt be saved in thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and all that were in his house. He took them that same hour that night and washed their stripes. And he was baptized. He and all his straightway. And folks, it's not rocket science. You can see it. We had the first church in Philippi starting right in front of our eyes. And it started with a missions journey with Paul, Silas, Timothy, missionaries heading out, wanting to go this way. Uh uh-uh. uh. This way, nah. This way, not today. This way, not this year. I want you going here. I've got a bigger picture. I've got a Roman colony that goes out to the world. Paul, you don't understand it, but you've got some Roman citizens in it. And the magistrates are about to step in it. And they're going to have to apologize. Yeah, I'll get you in prison. But yeah, I'll get you out. Yeah, you're going to have a multi-millionaire lame lady that's going to kind of finance the operation. Yes, you're going to get the jailer. Yes, you're going to get his clan. The, the damsel's going to get saved. You're going to straighten the street people out. And before you know it, we've got an independent, Bible-believing church starting right before us. And all God's people said, Amen. don't miss the opportunity of the Macedonian call. Amen. That little girl got sick again. A month went by. I go down to the hospital and the mother's there. And she didn't look good. We gave her some more medicine. Went back home. At midnight that night, the husband came that Friday night. Said, Pastor, come. Baby's not good. Come and pray over it. That little girl, Priscilla was her name. And we drove down to the hospital. I got out. And as I was going into the hospital, the mother came out with a dead child in her arms, wrapped up in a towel, crying and in shock somewhat. She handed the child to me. Now, they don't teach you how to do these things at Bob Jones, okay? And I held that dead baby for a minute and handed it to my wife. We prayed right there that night, and we took the baby to our house. And they all stayed on our front porch, and there's no mortuary in Moresby, so... We froze her that night in our deep freeze. We had a freezer there. Next morning, went out and bought that little baby some clothes. My wife did. I bought an igloo cooler, about 150 pounds of ice. Two days later, we went to do the funeral up in the village. Hanawa came and the five brothers, and they carried the body in that cooler on the back of our truck, and we drove it about two hours, and we got to the River and went up the river two hours by boat. Come to that village of Gorohu, about a thousand people all standing on the beach waiting for the Talbutta, that's white skin, to come with the baby. White cooler, had a cross put on it, had a Bible taped to the top of it. They knew the gospel was coming. I got off the boat and was carrying the cooler with Hana while he looked across that cooler and he said, They're waiting. Now you give them the gospel. God's going to work. I spoke, me Adam talk pigeon, lick, lick, you heard me belong me now, me Adam talk, Papa God. I go to that language. 
I gave them the clear presentation of the gospel. I told them where that little girl was and her soul was with the Lord. Forty-two folks got trusted Christ that day. Not done yet. We buried there, right there beside that little building where we had the service. When you bury a body in New Guinea, that property's yours. And the village gave that little church five acres. We hadn't even started it yet. A month later, we had our first church service right behind that little grave site. Had 40 people come. Now, folks, that was in 1996. I was there last year preaching. We had 300 a night come to that church service. Christian school of 200. Hanawa is 72 years old. I got him the largest print Bible you can get in America, and he still can't read it. And he said, Pastor. He says, I can't see. Pastor, we need a missionary to come. Pastor, we can't run the Christian school of 200 anymore. Can you ask somebody that's not doing anything in the U.S. to come and take my place? Miss the opportunity that God has given you to serve Him in and through this church. It's an urgent call. It's an understood call. It's an undone call. And my friend, it is unstoppable. God is great, is He not? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Holy Spirit, we give you this invitation tonight. I don't know the people's hearts, but you do. And I pray, Lord, as we kick this missions conference off this week, while there's still time, the time factor in Acts chapter 16, Luke writes, we immediately endeavored to go. We understood God wanted to go. We didn't know what was going to take place. But we understood some things had to be undone in our lives to do the Holy Spirit's will to get the unstoppable gospel to Philippi and to the church of Macedonia. And may we take that tonight here at Harvest Baptist Church and apply it to our lives. May God, you direct us and guide us. And Father, we pray these things in your name.